What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, The Shallows by Nicholas Carr. I've recorded a few podcasts on this, and this one will actually be the summary kind of wrap-up, some closing thoughts of uh, my first pass through this book. It's an incredibly insightful book, you know, really talking about in-depth neuroplasticity, how our brains change to these different elements. And when we were introduced to the Internet, it kind of took us by storm and people aren't able to take a step back, look at the bird's eye view and actually analyze what's going on. Rather, most people are actually the victim of it. They aren't, they think they're using the internet, but the internet's really using them. It's collecting their data. It's becoming addictive to them. And something that I really, really thought was interesting is, you know, he says, An Atlantic author suggests that our technology-induced ADD may be a short-term problem stemming from our our reliance on cognitive habits evolved and perfected in an era of limited information and flow. Developing new cognitive habits is the only viable approach to navigating the age of constant connectivity. So this is – if that kind of went over your head a little bit, remember – Cognitive habits evolved and perfected in an era of limited information flow. That's what we are relying on. And now, the only viable approach to navigating in the age of constant connectivity is developing new cognitive habits. This is why I truly believe, you know, if you just plug and play into the system, you, you will live the life of quiet desperation like the mass of men live. Remember, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What's called desperation is confirmed resignation. You're resignating yourself to the system, and it, it will feed you. It will give you everything you think you want. It'll give you everything your subconscious mind wants. It'll feed you. It'll stimulate you. You know, It'll give you those kicks of dopamine you need when you use social media. But if you are not, are not able to develop new cognitive habits, you won't be able to thrive and have an actual approach in navigating this age of constant connectivity. And I think since everybody's kind of indoctrinated in it because you need it for work, you need it for normal everyday life, people don't understand the bigger picture. And that's why this book is so important. That's why I really love it. You know, he says uh, kind of, this is one of the later things too, this is on page 222 in the soft cover book. He says, Martin Hedegar observed that the looming tide of technological revolution could so captivate, bewitch, dazzle, and beguile man that calculative thinking may someday come to be accepted in practices as the only way of thinking. This is, you know, I was reading Empires of the Mind and this is what he said, you know, creativity is so vital when we, when we outsource creativity is when we will lose, you know, things that you're passionate, things that drive you in creativity, you need to think about yourself. This is why, you know, the kind of concept of a brain gym, you can consider reading a brain gym, you're training your mind. And most people just go to the gym, lift biceps, lift chest, lift legs, and they don't think about the thing that drives all of this, which is the mind. And if you're weak up there, if, if you have a six-pack in real life, but in your mind you're a slob that's eating donuts every day, you know, you're, you have brain fog in the morning, you're not getting proper sleep, you don't have the proper brain gym mentality systems in place, you're going to fall behind. And going back to this, remember Martin Hedegar said, the tide of 
technological revolution could so captivate, bewitch, bedazzle, begule man, that calculative thinking may someday come to be accepted and practiced as the only way of thinking. Our ability to engage in meditative thinking, similar to creative thinking, meditative thinking is really helping you control the brain. It's kind of the act of just being present. It, It is the act of being present, clearing the mind and accepting the now. And, you know, he says, so <clears throat> the ability to engage in meditative thinking, which he saw as the very essence of our humanity, might become a victim of headlong progress. The too much, too mutualist advantage of technology could, like the arrival <clears throat> of the locomotive at the Concord station, drown out the refined perceptions, thoughts, and emotions that arise only through contemplation and reflection. The frenziedness of technology. Hedger wrote, threatens to entrench itself everywhere. It may be that we are now entering the final stage of that entrenchment. We are welcoming the frenziness into our souls. That's really interesting. The frenziness of technology, Hedger wrote, threatens to entrench itself everywhere. And, you know, if you have this same frenziness in your mind, which a lot of people do, because that's kind of, you know, free time, direct answer is go on the phone and I'm victim of this too. You know, I fall trapped to this. I'm trying to transcend this and move out of this. But I really try to, whenever possible, just think. Thinking is much more important than just consuming information. And it's, I mean, it's a really complicated topic, but this book is a good start to it, kind of understanding. And remember, this is kind of the last thing he leaves before the epilogue. He says, it may be that we're entering the final stage of that entrenchment we are welcoming the frenziness into our souls. And he kind of leaves us on a dark note, which is interesting. Um, in the epilogue, Human Elements, uh, I enjoyed it. You know, he says, uh, there's a little section about Joseph Weizenbaum and how, you know, on computers, he points out following, follow rules. Computers don't, computers do follow rules. They don't make judgments. And the in place of subjectivity, they gave us a formula. The story revealed just how persistent um, Weizenbaum had been. Decades ago, he warned that as we grow more accustomed to the pendant of our computers, we will be tempted to entrust them. Tasks that demand wisdom once we do. So that's what I was talking about with outsourcing tasks that demand wisdom or creativity. He says we will be tempted to entrust them. Test the demand wisdom, and once we do that, there will be no turning back. The software will become indispensable to those tasks. So, so interesting. You know, once we move into that. And he also gives uh, a couple books that I'm probably going to get. He talks about um, You're Not a Gadget, where computer scientist Jaron Lehner argued his way of the website. Social networks are designed to be subverting our creativity and even our human humanity. Hamlet's Blackberry, another book. By journalist William Powers looked at how the constant budge of digital gadgets can drown out life's quieter pleasures. And then, you know, he talks about overconnected and the net delusion, um, alone together. Those are all books. So, you know, he kind of leaves us with that. Um, let's see. Another part that I actually enjoyed before that kind of ending page that I focus on, which again was page 222 in the um, soft cover version talks about in this section that those using the 
unhelpful software were better able to plan ahead and plot strategy while those using the helpful software tended to rely on simple trial and error. This is an anecdote in the story he actually lays out um, on this test that they basically gave two groups of people um, software designed to help them as much as possible. And then the other one is like not the best software kind of lets them do the work. And it shows that, you know, it's kind of like a a crutch or a wheelchair, you know, you become reliant on that. Or like Adderall, for example, if you gave one person Adderall and one person just told them, gave them habits they could do to improve their focus or just gave them the internet, which you can search habits to improve your focus. The person that will turn out better is the person that can do it themselves as long as they're persistent because they are not reliant on this external. They internalize it themselves and they learn how to do this. You know, that's kind of the concept of learned helplessness. You know, people thinking that they need aids for everything. And, you know, with this ADHD society, people think, you know, solving a problem with a pill is the best way to go where really... If you took the time to try and develop focus yourself or help your child focus, and again, this isn't black and white. There's extreme cases. There's people that definitely need the medication. But in general, if you're just like, that's your magic bullet, that's not how the world works. It might work in the short term, but you will damage in the long term. And uh, let's see. This kind of interesting on page 217, he says... um, We want friendly, helpful software. Why wouldn't we? Yet, as we secede to software more of the toil of thinking, we are likely diminishing our brain power in subtle but meaningful ways. When a ditch digger trades his shovel for a backhoe, his arm muscles weaken, even as his efficiency increases. A similar trade-off may well take place when we automate the work of the mind. I really like that. You know, people thinking automating the work of the mind is the way to go. It's not. And again, wrapping this book up, I'd probably give it an 8.5 out of 10. I absolutely love it. Again, Nicholas Carr, The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and subscribe to the Modern Academy. Look forward to continuing the conversation. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good one.